welcome to Library Land Loves, a podcast from the Ontario Library Association. I'm your host, Michelle Arbuckle, and um, let me just get something out of the way quickly. Hey, Siri, how many days has it been since March 13th, 2020? It was 371 days ago. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, So I guess that makes 371 days that we've been working from home. Great, great, awesome, perfect. Thank you so much, Siri. I'm not going insane, I promise. Well, actually, there's no guarantee of that, but it all plays into today's episode. I'm very excited today to be talking with Zach Osborne. Uh, It was a couple of weeks ago that Zach wrote a blog article that um, he posted to Twitter and a lot of people picked up on and I read it and thought it was, you know, brilliant, as is Zach's way. I will also just say that I love it as I get further into my career, finding the people that I know are good people and are good library people becoming managers and leading teams and leading them in ways that are different from the ways they might have been led or different from ways um, we've been maybe taught to lead and just doing it more um, it's instinctively the right word. I don't know. It just in a, leading in a way that takes into account people's humanity and uh, more of a holistic style of management. So the article that Zach wrote um, was really great and is the basis for our conversation today. And it was around how to manage your team better virtually, whether we're in a pandemic or not. Just some tips and some thoughts around how to manage your team when everyone is virtual. So thanks for joining us today. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Zach now, in case you don't know, which I can't believe if you don't, because he's kind of famous in Library Land. I'm, I'm dusting off my shoulders right now. Um, Zach is the manager of um, Health Information and Knowledge Mobilization Program at the Unity Health Toronto. I probably said that entirely wrong, so I'm going to do it again. Zach has a diverse background of experience in libraries and is endlessly fascinated with all aspects of library work. He's the manager of health information and knowledge mobilization at Unity Health Toronto, which consists of St. Michael's Hospital, St. Joseph's Health Centre and Providence Healthcare. And there he is accountable for library services, hospital archives and the knowledge mobilization program. Sounds very officious. Zach is also the vice president of the Ontario College and University Library Association, OCULA, which is a division of OLA. And for several years, he was the chair of the OLA Super Conference. And as many of you know, he is also an all around amazing human. He is passionate about connecting libraries with their communities, change management strategies, and advocating for the learning and development of library workers. Zach is a dog person. He enjoys cycling around the city of Toronto, cooking and eating, and also loves coffee. And even despite the coffee bed, I still love you. So welcome to Library Land Loves, Zach. It's so great to see you and talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for that beautiful intro. I feel like I'm blushing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, you should be blushing. All of those things are true. And, um, it is true that I I love, you know, you presented this year at OLA with um, a panel, Jillian Byrne, Angela Hamilton, and someone And else. Heather, Heather Cunningham from Gerstein. Yes, sorry, and Heather Cunningham, yes. And I watched that, and for those who haven't seen it, seek it out, because it was about leadership during these times and, and how to be a good leader. And I just, as I was watching it, I felt so 
um, full of gratitude and um, just really happy to see a new generation of leaders coming through and and the way that you all were thinking about how to lead and how to manage people. And I just, I think it's wonderful and I think it really shows um, heart and hope for the future of library land. So thank you for doing that and for writing this article. So tell me a bit more about um, what you were thinking about when you when you wrote this post. Yeah, sure thing. So I mean, 2020 was quite a gauntlet of a year, I think, for everybody in many kinds of ways and in all kinds of libraries. Um, and for me, it was really my first full year as a manager and people leader um, ever. And so, I mean, I struggled a lot with knowing what to do, if what I was doing was the right thing, um, when to trust my gut, sort of um, knowing when to lean on others and seek expertise. And so I learned a lot. I learned a lot in 2020 about leadership and my own management style. And over the Christmas holiday, I took a long vacation. I had three weeks of holidays. And over that time, I reflected really strongly about what went well, what didn't go well, what I'd like to improve upon. And so I came up with this list of five things that were really lessons learned for me as a manager and people leader, as a new leader. Um, and just I wanted to share those things with whoever is interested in reading about them. I love that. That moment, those moments of self-reflection as a manager are so important and um, I think not always encouraged or um, even required by our organizations to look at how we're managing or the opportunity to kind of take stock and reflect on how things have been different and, and how you've approached things different. I think the pandemic has asked that of us um, because we've all had to change so much. A lot of our, um, our standard ways of doing things um, but I still see a lot of people who haven't done it. So mm -hmm. well done yeah. for, for taking the, uh, may having the motivation. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I often find in my life and the more I get older, I feel like, are there, are there things that everyone knows? And I'm just discovering for the first time, yeah. like, I'm just like, <laughs> yes. does everyone know this already about how to lead people or am I just slow to catch right. up? And so I find these reflective practices help me to sort of really think about what it is I've learned and what it is I know and for sure. things that I want to learn and want to know. And so I find, yeah, yeah, just a reflective practice for me is sort of catching up to be like, this is what I've learned and this is how I'm going to apply it. You know, and the thing that's a little different for me is I spent the first half of these past 371 days um, at Ryerson. And so I wasn't in a management role. I was being managed. Um, and so, and then halfway through, you know, in, in mid-September flipped back to OLA. And so that change of perspective also really helped me in just kind of to see um, how things were done differently, not, not just between systems, but by different people and, and helped me to kind of, and I've talked about this in a previous pod of, you know, how um, in my chat with Emily, how I think not being a manager for a stretch of time helped make me a better manager because I could really see what I missed, but mm. also figure out what I needed from someone. Yes, absolutely. That's a really strong point is learning from others and applying it in your own practice. Yeah. So that it resonates with me too. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So um, I know your list was already structured in a top five. I'm going to assume it's because you knew you wanted to come on Library Land Labs <laughs> and talk about it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, is it a, uh, a sequential list? Like, is it building to it or is it just a, a numerical list? No, it's in no particular ranked order. It's just five things. Okay. 
I don't know why I always ask that, why it's important to me, but I like to know if we're kind of like, drum roll, please, number one. The countdown is on. No, this is just five (laughs) things in no particular order. All right, so do we want to start with number one? Yeah, sounds good. So my first tip for managing virtual teams is to model the behaviors that you expect and you want from your team. And so this was a hard lesson for me to learn in 2020 because... I mean, working at home, it's hard because you need to define your mm-hmm. you need to define your boundaries for work and life, and that can be hard, and it's not as easy as it sounds. And so, this quick and urgent pivot for everyone on my team to start working remotely and start working from home um, was a real challenge. And I really wanted to express and communicate to my team that like none of this is normal. Go easy on yourself. Take breaks. Mm-hmm. Like if you need time to have a different kind of structure to your day, like talk to me, we can be flexible with how you work and what your hours look like. So I was really, thought I was doing the best, you know, I was supporting my team, I was being flexible, I was communicating as best I could, but I, in my own work, was doing the complete opposite. Like I Mm -hmm. was working from seven in the morning until seven at night. I was sending emails on the Mm -hmm. weekend. I was doing things that weren't representative of the behaviors that I was sort of exhorting and telling my team to do in this new pandemic mm-hmm. virtual work environment. And so it, and it's funny to look back on this now because I, it didn't, that, that was not apparent to me at all at the time. I just thought I'm a leader, I'm a manager, I'm supposed to be working harder and this is what it's, it's what's expected right. of me. But it's like, yeah. no, you're saying when, when it hurts, that's when you're doing it right. It's gotta it's hurt. It's gotta be really yeah. hard and painful and you have to cry yeah. every day. But um, no, I didn't cry every day, but um, it's, you know, it's funny because I, I, it occurred to me many months later that I was sending the wrong message to my team right? and I was not modeling the advice or the expectations that I was wanting to see from them. And so I would get frustrated and a bit wounded when they would sort of call me out for my, uh, you know, hypocrisy (laughs) on what I wanted Mm. them to do and what, what I was doing. And so that was mm-hmm. a huge lesson for me is like, if, if you want your team to take vacation because it's stressful to work from home and have a family and do all those things, like you got to take vacation too. take vacation, yeah. Yeah. show them you're taking vacation, take breaks, communicate yeah. that you're taking breaks, just mm-hmm. you know, be yeah. the change that you're hoping, not just the change, but model the behavior. Yeah. So what does that look like? I'm just wondering during the day, um, you know, are you, is your team like on Slack and you just say, hey, I'm, I'm taking a coffee break or, you know, taking the dog out or what, do you do that? Absolutely. And Slack's been a huge uh, win for my team in the pivot to virtual work because, you know, we don't want to email each other all day. Like, it's fantastic to have a Slack channel where we can say, hey, BRB, going for a walk and going to have lunch. So I'm going to, I'll be back in an hour and a half. And so that's the way we communicate these things to our team. We'll say, you know, signing off early today. I'm going to go for a walk, make up the time tomorrow. And thankfully, I'm coming from a very privileged place where we have the flexibility on my team to have Mm -hmm. a lot of flex in our workday. So that's greatly appreciated by me, not only as a manager, but by folks on my team who can say, you know what, I'm not going to sign in today till 11 because I have some stuff to do. So that was my first tip was the just model the behavior that you want to see from your team. And you know, the other part of that that I think is interesting, and I don't really know how to talk about this without 
getting people into trouble. But um, it's it's funny that it feels so uh, risky to talk about. But especially because at the beginning we were all home and our kids were all home. And I at one point wrote to my manager and I was like, look, I just can't. I'm just never going to get eight hours of work into a day right now. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's that weird kind of, um, you know, capitalist drum banging in the background of you have to get these hours in a day and there was an acknowledgement we weren't going to get the most out of everybody at that time and that was just going to be how it was and you know you weren't going to be fired because you had to watch over your kid while they did virtual school for a couple of weeks and we all just had to recognize productivity was going to be down and that was a really tough pill to swallow for a while yeah absolutely and that yeah. was some of the messaging I was mindful of sharing with my team at the very outset of the whole pandemic was like, this isn't normal. Productivity will not be the same. And I don't expect that of you. And yet here I was like yeah. working 12 hours a day, <laughs> sending them emails on Sunday for things to do when they get to the office. It's like, well, why aren't you oh, practicing yeah. what you're preaching? So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Well, that's good. All right. So that's number one. What's your number that kind of leads into the number two? <laughs> So the second is to recognize and learn from impaired wellness and burnout. Mm-hmm. So this is maybe sort of controversial. Um, I don't in any way endorse burnout. I don't in any way think mm-hmm. everyone should feel burnt out in their roles or their lives. But at times it's often an inevitability because of yeah. the many things people have going on, they can experience levels of impaired wellness because of their mm-hmm. commitments, their job responsibilities, their family lives, whatever their circumstances. And so I find what I learned last year was to, rather than sort of not think about it, is to embrace it and address it and learn Mm -hmm. from it. And Mm -hmm. so reflective practices can help you, you know, think about when I was feeling burnt out or when I was when my when my wellness was impaired, what did that feel like? How did I see that coming? What what would I change differently next time? What were my triggers to help me get to the place that I found myself? And how can I mitigate those in the future? Are they possible mm-hmm. to mitigate? What are variables in my life that I can control that can help me, you know, avoid those in the future? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. It's, it, it was really eye opening to me because. Frankly, I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. It was just like, I'm so busy. I have to do all the things. I'm just so stressed out and I'm losing interest in my work. I'm depressed. I'm losing Mm -hmm. sleep. I'm just an unhappy person, Mm -hmm. but it'll end and Mm -hmm. I'll feel better after the fact. And without that reflective practice, it's just like, well, you're going to repeat that again. And I think what was super educational for me was a podcast I was listening to called Medical Education. And perhaps I'll share the link with you so you can share it in the bio of this episode. But they interviewed someone who was the author of an article um, who talked about... The article's title is Why Impaired Wellness May Be Inevitable in Medicine and Why It May Not Be Such a Bad Thing. And so this Mm -hmm. author looked at the undervaluing of potential growth and resilience that can be developed through engaging with those burnout experiences. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying like, yes, you must feel burnout to learn, but use that burnout experience as a learning experience to learn Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, learn more about how you can manage those things on your own. It's so interesting, that point you just made about, um, you know, figuring out, I can't remember your exact language, but figuring out what's within your control. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the points that you can control around your wellness? Because I think for most of this past year, we've felt so out of control. We, we're, we don't have control over, you know, gray zone, red zone, lockdown, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, figuring out, oh, you know, if I can wake up at this time and go outside for 20 minutes in the morning, I find that it improves my day immensely, Mm -hmm. you know, like just little things that before I I probably was doing, but not um, putting two and two together, like not like thinking about it more like, oh, I have to go outside because that's my exercise. And, you know, that's what you do in the morning. Um, And instead just being like, no, this is just for my brain Mm -hmm. to be healthy, to go outside and, you know, look at the ducks and watch, you know, the sky and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, reframing it and being really intentional about those things is interesting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Taking note of it. And I think within the, the, the framing of this conversation about being a leader yeah. or a manager and having a team who's working remotely, I think first and foremost, you need to understand those things about yourself as a leader and manager mm-hmm. and, and an individual, individual. And then imparting these tools to the folks who report to you or who are on your team. Because I think these are tools everyone really needs to learn from their experiences, but also do the best they can to mitigate how this may re-emerge in the future in their life or work circumstances. So I just think as a leader, it's important to lead those conversations with your team. It's really interesting because so many leaders would feel uncomfortable, I think, even starting that conversation with their team because I think there's a fear there around not being able to have control over their feelings or, you know, getting into an area where you might then feel responsible for making changes in their behavior. But I think that part of this is just also giving the space and um, giving them the space but an opportunity to feel comfortable saying you know what this week is shit Mm -hmm. like i just feel awful right now and i just had a team member this week say to me look i am not doing well and i'm not sleeping well i just need you to know like i'm not going to be productive right now i'm here i'm getting things done Mm -hmm. but i'm just not present in the way i want to be and i was like okay thank you for telling me that because now like i know and we can have those conversations as a team. And, and even last week I came into our staff meeting and I was like, I just need you to know I'm waking up full of dread right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. Um, and I can laugh about it now because it's, <laughs> it's past. It was one of those things where, and I know you've had this, where you put off a task for so long because you think it's going to be so awful. Yes. And you feel dread around it. And that's what was happening. And so I just had to tell them, look, I feel I'm... I'm dreading using this database and I don't want to do these things in it. And then I did it and I was like, just so you know, guys, no, I'm over it now. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think making making those uh, conversations just part of the regular team dynamic and giving people that permission to say those things is is huge. Absolutely, it's like name it, address it, call it out, and then we can work through yeah. it because if we don't talk about it, it's this thing that we don't talk about and it can't yeah. be addressed or yeah. resolved. And might I say, this is a perfect segue into my third tip. Excellent. Let's do it. Number three. My third tip is to be authentic and be brave Mm -hmm. and show that you're human too. Mm. 
And so I want to preface this a little bit or contextualize this a little further by just saying how, you know, working remotely and virtually, we don't have the same in-person contact and our communication occurs primarily over email or Slack or MS mm -hmm. Teams and of course through Zoom. And we lose those human connections and those opportunities for face-to-face mm -hmm. communication and one-on-one -on -one time with leaders and team members. And it becomes sort of robotic. Like you don't have that, you can't really sense how someone's feeling over those channels. You can't really mm -hmm. get that nuance interpersonal communication that is so valuable. And mm -hmm. I find these technological dependencies for communication can really contribute to loneliness and isolations and feelings of distance from, you know, people you work with. And so as a manager and people leader, I'm learning to recognize and appreciate the importance of showing my vulnerability and, you know, communicating and expressing myself more in these electronic online virtual environments. Um, like communicate honestly, as you were saying, honestly and directly about how you're doing. Like communicate mm -hmm. about your about your wellness, communicate about your needs. And as a leader, it doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you mm -hmm. are doing a bad job. It just means you're human. And you mm -hmm. can be weak with your staff because that shows them that they have permission to do the same. And it sort of speaks back to my first mm -hmm. point about modeling behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I think definitely what I'm really talking about in this point is like bringing your whole self to work, which is a concept that a lot of people talk yeah. about. I think there's some arguments for and against it, but I think I can only speak for myself in these circumstances, but in my career, I've struggled a lot with bringing my true authentic self to a professional work capacity. Like as a gay man, I've always sort of had to negotiate that shame around being gay and I wasn't sure how to, you know, be my full self in a work capacity. Like, can I talk about my partner? Can I use, like, you know, all that stuff is complicated yeah. and it's baggage. And mm -hmm. I'm 10 years into my career and I'm only now like finally better at it. And right. so I think what I've learned in 2020 and with my present colleagues in my current organization and in my role, I've learned that showing myself and being authentic, it actually makes things better. Like it works. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah. <laughs> wow, what a light bulb moment. What a weird trick. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but like not having to hide who you are and like fully being yourself in the manner that makes sense for where you work. Like I'm encouraged to do it more and being vulnerable, open, honest, it sets a positive example for your team and fosters a culture of openness and encourages or gives permission mm -hmm. for people on your team to do the same. And I think that's really, that was a yeah. huge light bulb, powerful moment for me. I'm curious, when you get your team together, um, do you do you all do that thing where at the beginning everyone just kind of shoots the shit and you know talks about what terrible TV they're like, how, how much time do you allow for what I would consider like, you know, the walking in, walking out of the meeting conversation. How do you balance that kind of thing? Because I think that's so important, but how do you balance that with, okay, we got to get to this meeting now. Like we got to get the work done. Well, it's kind of funny. We don't do it very formally or intentionally. I think on every meeting agenda, we have like, number one, welcome. It's like, <laughs> we all know who we are. We don't need a welcome for the most part. But this is just for your 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 staff meetings? You have a like welcome? Every meeting I feel like I'm on has welcome. <laughs> That's amazing. And that welcome moment is just like, I don't know, five minutes to 
people enter, people ask about the weather, people talk about TV, people have a new haircut, whatever it is, we sort of shoot the shit about that. And then if I'm right. the chair, I'm typically like, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. Like I'm, <laughs> we, we do move on, but thankfully right. because of the tools we're using to communicate like Slack, there's lots of opportunity. Mm-hmm. We have a channel for random or we have a channel for right. social. And we just sort of put in gifts, put in our favorite TV we're watching. Like there's space yeah. for that. Yeah. Right. So they're not kind of just depending on this one meeting for all of their social interactions no. with everyone. They have a, another channel for that. No, yeah. thank God. <laughs> but even like scheduling a coffee break meeting. Yes. Like schedule a meeting with two people you haven't talked to in a while and be like, hey, I just want to have like a 30 minute catch up. Let's do that. It's not business. It's just yeah. I want to hear how you are. Be human again. Be human. I mean, you'd be doing that at work probably. So do it virtually. Absolutely. Be you. We, um, I wanted to test something out um, a couple of months ago that was uh, virtual coloring. So it was um, putting, basically sharing your screen on a coloring page in Zoom, and then everybody can um, can color. My friend Kelsey Merkley introduced me to this, and I'm obsessed with it now. I, j- I love coloring anyway. Um, and so I started a staff meeting by saying, I'm going to start, I'm going to log in five minutes early if anybody wants to join me and we can just color, um, which is something Kelsey does with her team. And uh, people really liked it. And they were like, this is such a, you know, just a chill come in, you know, color and just chat or don't, you know, just kind of be there with everyone. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh yeah, we need to, we need to have more of these Mm -hmm. uh, unscripted on no agenda kind of moments, you know? Absolutely. Those are so important. And that's such a good idea just to be like, I'll be there early if you want to come and chat or be just show up early and have the chat. That's super important. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like the thing to sort of caps off this tip for me is that I underestimate mm-hmm. the influence I have on my team for showing that vulnerability yeah. because folks will mirror that right. if their leader is doing it. Not every single person will, but I think it sets an example of, you know, doing those things. Yeah. All right. Leads us into number four. Yes. So number four is to reconsider the format of every meeting and even cancel the meeting. <laughs> Can we just have a moment? I'm going to put in some like applause audio there for, yeah. This is huge. Yeah. CDTM can't, uh, wait, CTDM, cancel the damn meeting. Cancel the damn meeting. Love it. I find, um, I mean, this whole pivot to remote work is not new anymore, but I find, I'll just tell you a story about my experience with this. So at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. pandemic, we were meeting a lot. And the reason we were meeting a lot was multi, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. It was to make sure people felt like they had support, make sure people felt like they had connections to each other, making sure there was just, a, you know, a good dialogue and channels for communication. And that was good for a little while. But then by the summertime, it was like, I don't want to be on another Zoom meeting. We met four days ago. Like, it's like, we just had to... <laughs> take a beat, reevaluate the frequency mm-hmm. of our meetings. And that was so helpful because one-on-one with folks, I'd say, Am I, are we meeting too much? How often would you like to meet with me? And then mm-hmm. depending on that individual, some folks need more frequent meetings. Some people want monthly meetings. Some people want infrequent connect, like connecting points. 
And so what I learned in 2020 was for every meeting you have, if it's one-on-one -on -one updates with your team, if it's committee meetings, if it's all staff meetings, continuously evaluate what that frequency looks like and make sure mm -hmm. it's meeting people's needs. And secondly, reconsider the format. Like does mm -hmm. every single meeting need to be a Zoom meeting? I don't think so. Amen. And mm -hmm. I mean, I came up with a little rubric decision-making criteria for how I approach yeah. meeting formats. And first of all, it's do you need to hold the meeting that you've organized? Yes or no? Right. Like, <laughs> like can this meeting be an email? If it is, yeah. don't have the meeting. Cancel the meeting, send the email, yeah. done. If you're unsure if the meeting needs to occur at all, connect with the person or the people and, and check in. Say, do you think there's a reason we need to meet? Is there anything you need to share or get feedback from, from the team members? They don't need to meet, mm -hmm. cancel the meeting, don't bother. Mm -hmm. And then if, if the meeting needs to go forward, uh, for each meeting, I determine the best format. We only use the phone if there's nothing we need to share or discuss visually, if there's only two participants in total, and it's intended to be a shorter conversation. Mm -hmm. Another consideration too is if either of the meeting participants don't wish to be on video. Like let's say mm -hmm. you've got a hectic, chaotic household, you've got kids, they're eating lunch, whatever the case may be. And you're like, you know what, this is a bad time. I don't wanna be on video. Let's just use the phone. Mm -hmm. So being mindful, yeah. being sensitive of other people's surroundings and their circumstances mm -hmm. to participate in a video call, I think is really appreciated yeah. and really important. And so that's moving on to email. Like I said earlier, could this meeting be an email? Is it information sharing one way? If so, that's an email. Yeah. I mean, in my team, we use Slack and I find Slack is a great alternative to meeting as well. Like I'll message someone to say, hey, do you have any updates to share with me? And they'll say, yeah, I just wanted to let you know I want to take a vacation day on Friday. It's so like, right. that's the meeting approved. Thank you very yep. much. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great long weekend. It doesn't need to be anymore. So I find that saves yeah. so much time in our days mm -hmm. and just continuously evaluate. Do your team members um, call you regularly? Like, do you just get phone calls from your team or? No, I've never received a phone call. Interesting. Is that, Maybe that's just the age of People your, wouldn't pick up the phone to call me. team members that they're not... Yeah. Okay. All right. Because for me with my boss, with Sheila, I call her all the time, but Sheila is very comfortable with the phone. And, you know, I was telling you before we started recording that there are some, um, I really like having phone conversations, especially one-on-one, -on -one, um, because I like to walk around while I'm talking, especially if, mm -hmm. if we're brainstorming or, or problem solving a situation, I just do it better standing up or walking around. Um, and so I really appreciate that when someone is flexible enough to want to just do that over the phone and not require me staring at myself into Zoom. You know, I just, I find that to be somewhat um, restrictive sometimes. And earlier when I said that no one's ever called me on the phone, what I meant by that was yeah. no one would just ring me up like we always sort of connect on yeah. slack first to be like can i give you a call this sure is a good time yeah yeah and i think that speaks to like my introverted self where like i would probably wouldn't answer it anyway mm -hmm. i'm like who is this what do you right. want so i'm <laughs> very much like check in with me 
about my availability. And I would do the same for others, but yeah, hypersensitive to that. But I think that's good as as a manager to know how your team wants you to be available is really, I think, the point of that. Like Sheila knows I need her to be available to be by phone. My team knows they can text me and Slack me because yeah, they're all, you know, young millennials and they would never think about picking up the phone to call me either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like, I like being able to do that and, and to know that she's available to me that way. So and that's the Gen X vibe of it all, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the one last thing, the very last thing I wanted to share yeah. about that is length of meeting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Length of meeting is so overlooked. I find it's always like one hour, one hour, be brave, <laughs> yes. schedule a 15 hour. 30 minute meeting like it does not have to be an hour <laughs> probably so like heck start it at 9 10 go till 9 30 a 20 minute meeting that sounds great yes so that's Love just what that. i wanted to cap off that tip with be brave be brave Short it's funny rule i just asked in our staff meeting our staff meeting at ola they restructured when I was away and it starts at 1040. And so just a couple weeks ago, I was like, I don't know the genesis of this. Like this never happened in person. We met at 10, Um, but I love it. I just need to tell everyone, I love that it starts at 1040 because the reality is if it's a 1030 meeting at 1029, I am rushing to, you know, go to the washroom, refresh my tea, whatever. And I'm going to be late anyway. Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of the 1040. And you know what they told me was the, the history of that, this is very telling of March, 2020, was at first they were meeting via teleconference. And what they were finding was, whether it was, you know, Bell Canada or this teleconference vendor, all of the lines were busy from 10.30 until 10.40 because people were changing over meetings. Mm. And so they just couldn't get through on the phone line. What a historical time capsule little factoid that is, that at the beginning of the pandemic, so many people were meeting on the hour or on the half hour that they changed the time of the meeting so that they were missing that little like traffic jam in the telephone lines. I love mm-hmm. that. I mean, I don't love it, but I love that in the history of that. The provenance, yeah. And I love that we've stuck with 1040 because it does, um, first of all, it shortens the meeting a little bit and um, it starts at a time that makes room for real life. And I like that, you know, at Ryerson, we had Ryerson time, which I think people have, like, it's just like accommodating travel time between buildings. And I think we still need travel time virtually, like give us a chance. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense. My fifth and final tip, number five, is to embrace and practice wellness. And sort of in brackets, it's not just a buzzword. Mm. And so, of course, I'm familiar with wellness. I'm familiar and aware of the benefits of practicing wellness, but I personally, I really had to figure out what wellness looked like for me in my circumstances and in my lifestyle and what was most effective to see the benefits of wellness practices. And so being a good leader and a good manager for your team can only happen if you are in a good place. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to be impatient. You don't want to be frustrated or stressed out. And I know for myself, for a lot of 2020, like I wasn't taking a lot of time for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I actually like, you know, exhibited a lot of frustration or stress, but I could feel it internally. I'm like, I need mm-hmm. a break. Like I need mm-hmm. to go for a walk. I need to 
do whatever that looks like. And so the lesson I learned for me is that no matter how busy I get, I need to prioritize wellness and make time for what I know helps me recharge. And it will always pay off if I take three minutes mm -hmm. between a meeting to do like a box breathing technique. Mm -hmm. That changes my entire mood. And that's, that's amazing. Like that's something I didn't yeah. know a year ago. And I think it would have really helped me when, you know, leading people, being, you know, working virtually, having so many meetings. I just, just literally take three minutes. Mm -hmm. Go away from your computer, go for a walk around your place, go outside, breathe deeply five times, do a little chair yoga exercise, whatever whatever that looks like for you, mm -hmm. find out and explore and figure out what wellness can look like for you. Yeah. Did you see me just do that with my spine? Did you see me just I did. I saw your body it. language change. It, it, I cracked. It felt really good. You know, I have... Um, I will admit I have expressed disdain or like a deep eye rolly when you go into a meeting and someone's like, let's just do some breathing. Uh, let's just all take a minute and feel your shoulders and let them drop. But at the same time, I kind of love it. Like it works. There's, yeah. there's just that, that moment of giving people permission to, um, to take that minute and do it. And uh, I really like it. Absolutely. Like I kind of laugh at myself for being like, embrace wellness, like LOL, duh. Like it's great. <laughs> it makes a big difference. So figure out what that looks like for you. And that's the thing. Follow my blog for wellness <laughs> tips. No, I have none. But Well, thank you, Zach. These are all wonderful tips. Uh, I feel like I'm sitting up straighter and be breathing more deeply even just right now. So <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate your time and being here. And uh, thanks for joining us today. I hope everyone got something from this. That's all the time we have for today's chapter. So thank you so much to Zach. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you have something that you love, I want to hear it. Tell me about it. You can come on and chat with me here at Library Land Loves Table. I like imagining that there's a Library Land Loves Table. It's very red table of me. Don't forget to subscribe uh, and tell a friend so that we can all share in what Library Land loves. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon.